The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us from remote locations around the world. Thank you for being with us again. My guest today was called the most powerful woman in business. In just a moment, former CEO of Hewlett-Packard and Republican nominee for Senator of California, Ms. Carly Fiorina, will be here. She's going to tell us why entrepreneurism and innovation is under threat in America and what that means to our economy. But before she joins us, as is my custom each week, let me give you some background on Fiorina's rise to the highest echelon of business. Kara Carleton Fiorina was born in Austin, Texas, to a father who was a federal appeals court judge as well as deputy attorney general under President Nixon. Her mother was a talented abstract painter, so Fiorina grew up surrounded by the best of both worlds. She attended Stanford University, where she earned her undergraduate degree in philosophy and medieval history. She also earned an MBA from the University of Maryland and Master of Science degree from MIT. In 1980, Fiorina joined AT&T as a trainee, and then through hard work, rose to become vice president. Fifteen years later, she was charged with heading operations for AT&T's successful spin off Lucent and was later named group president. Soon Fortune magazine was heralding Fiorina as one of the most powerful women in business and so was Time magazine and every other group that compiles list of trailblazers. But Fiorina was just getting started. In 1999 Hewlett-Packard offered Fiorina the historic opportunity to become the first woman to lead a Fortune 20 company. She reorganized and streamlined HP and was also responsible for the 19 billion dollar merger with PC giant Compaq which elevated HP to become the largest personal computer company in the world. But by 2005, owing to differences with the board, Fiorina stepped down as CEO, and the rest is history. Fiorina's vision for HP was vindicated as many of the ideas the board resisted under her stewardship came to pass. Following her work at HP, Fiorina contributed to the boards of CyberTrust, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, MIT, the World Economic Forum, and other organizations. And in 2010, Fiorina won the Republican primary for the Senator of California and began campaigning against incumbent Barbara Boxer. Though Boxer won the race, the election was close enough to prompt many to urge Fiorina to make another run, and we'll hear more about that later in today's program. Today, Fiorina is the CEO of Carly Fiorina Enterprises and also chairs the Good 360 nonprofit organization, which makes it easy and economical for companies to donate surplus items to charities. It's my pleasure to welcome to the program a business leader who has never been afraid to call it the way she sees it, Ms. Carly Fiorina. Thank you for joining us today. It's so great to be with you, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Now, not long ago, you began expressing concerns about the threat to entrepreneurship in America. So I thought we'd open the program today by asking you to explain why innovation may be under threat today. Well, let me just start by saying thank you for that totally glowing introduction. But, of course, no life is completely smooth. And I got my start, actually, the way most Americans do. I started out in a small nine-person company. I actually started out as a secretary in that company. After my undergraduate degree, I went to law school, hated it, dropped out, and so went back to make a living the way I made my living through college, which was by typing and filing and answering the phone. Why do I start that way? Because the truth is most Americans have always gotten their start 
in small businesses. And if you look at the data, what you'll see is that small businesses, new businesses, innovate at about uh, six times the rate of large businesses, and small businesses create most of the new jobs and employ over half the people in this country. So innovation is the key to a rising standard of living. Innovation is the key to business and job creation. And innovation is the key to the American dream. And that comes from entrepreneurs. When you look at the data, what you'll also see is that there are fewer new businesses starting now than at any time in the last 40 years. And there are more small businesses failing now than at any time in the last 40 years. And so the foundation of the American dream, entrepreneurship, is under siege. And I believe that's why we see our current economic recovery, why it's so lackluster. You know, growth at less than 2% GDP, that is not the standard growth for this economy. It's certainly not the U.S. economy living up to its full potential. And that is because, I believe, we have fewer small businesses starting and succeeding. So what's causing it? You say that there are fewer that, that than in the last 40 years and more and more are failing. Uh, what's the what's the impetus behind all that? Well, it's interesting. If you look at the poll data, and it's not surprising uh, to many of us who call ourselves conservatives, but the data bears our instinct out. 70%, 70% of small business owners in a recent survey indicated that they felt the federal government was hostile to them, not neutral, hostile. If you ask small business owners, what they'll tell you is it's just getting too hard. It's too hard to start a business. It's too hard to stay in business. We have a tax code that is unbelievably onerous and complex for small business owners. You know, in many ways, our tax code advantages big business because big business has lots of money to pay lawyers and accountants to exploit loopholes. But if you're a small business owner, you know, a 26,000-page tax code is just too complicated. The thicket of regulation that small business owners have to try and claw their way through is very discouraging. In brief, we have created a situation in which, in which the risks of failure are too high and the rewards for success are too low for too many striving entrepreneurs. So a few weeks ago, I was talking with the former Senator Connie Mack, who, as you know, worked on a bipartisan committee in the Bush administration and was charged with streamlining the tax code. And Mack admitted to me that they flat out failed. He said the more complicated laws become, the more difficult it is to comply. And I guess you'd agree with that. Totally. Absolutely. And the other thing that happens is the more complicated a law becomes, the more corrupt the system becomes. Because what happens is people have to pay other folks, lobbyists, lawyers, accountants, to try and explain the complexity to them. If you're a small business owner and entrepreneur and innovator, you don't have the time or the money to do that. So what happens? Big companies start to control the system. Special interest groups start to control the system. All the people who are in the know control the system, and that's corrupting. So Washington has become a place where big business, big lobbyists, big lawyers, big accountants can control the system because they're the only ones who have the time and money to understand the system. And we're not just talking about complexity of the tax code. Uh, we can take the Affordable Health Care Act, for example, that looks a lot like our tax code. It, it's so complicated that even large corporations are hiring experts to show them how they can comply. So isn't that another example of making it impossible for small resource scarce startups to function? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I talk about the thicket of regulation and legislation. You know, think about the health care law for a moment, or Dodd-Frank as another example. These are pieces of legislation that each are 2,600 pages or more. Nobody can understand that. Mm -hmm. Nobody even knows what's in it. So then you ask somebody to comply, and it's no wonder that you have a lot of small business owners saying, you know what, I don't want to grow and succeed because if I get to be too successful, then I have more than 50 employees. Then I have to comply with this law that I don't understand. I mean, it's so 
difficult. And so one of the things that I think has to happen if we are to restore entrepreneurship in this country, which after all, entrepreneurship is what makes the American dream real, we have to push for radical simplification of regulation, legislation, taxation. It's not just about less and lower. It's about radically simple. Well, that's a good point and a good note to uh, go to our commercial segment on, and we'll be right back with Carly Fiorina. You're listening to The Costa Report. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes. From salads to desserts, and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouth-watering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry-cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Now, there's a number of ways you can taste wines at the tasting room. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, we currently have nine different wines on our tasting menu, and we really want it to be an experience where you get to taste the wine that you want to taste. So if you want to taste Pinot, you can really focus your flight around that. If you wanted to focus on the bubbles, we have three different sparklings that will allow you to build your flight that way. Or if you came in and you just wanted to taste one wine, we would uh, have it set up for you to be able to do that as well. Now, what's a flight? A flight is basically a combination of small tastes of different wines. If you wanted to taste all of our different Chardonnays, you could taste the 2007 Chardonnay, the 2008, and the 2009, and we would line you up with an individual taste of each of them. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Is your computer running real slow like this? Or are you getting the blue screen of death? Do you have to do a restart several times a session? Tired of viruses, spyware, malware, and slow, worthless tech support? Face it, it's too late to download another free PC Fix-It program, thinking it'll be restored to out-of-box purity. Oh, no, 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 no. You need the fast, friendly computer pros at User-Friendly Computing. Just drop it off at their office at 505 River Street across from the Gateway Plaza or give them a call at 831-423-9653 and they'll come to you. Mention KSCO and get a free $50 diagnostic. PC or Mac, desktop or laptop, they can do it all at User-Friendly Computing. Call 831 831- Four two three nine six five three. Hello, I'm Dave, the Dixon in Dixon and Son Tires of Watsonville. And I'm Dusty, the Sun in Dixon and Son. With over 40 years of putting tires on all kinds of Central Coast wheels, both Dixon and Son have learned a lot about keeping you on the road. Here's a Dixon and Son tip that will help keep you safely on the road. And I'm Jane, the mom in Dixon and Son Tires. With your tip, check your tire pressure every month. Underinflated tires will increase fuel consumption, increase tire wear, and make your car harder to handle. So check your tire pressure and enjoy your ride. Dixon & Son Tires in Watsonville is the family-owned business you can trust with your family's car, your business's trucks, or your farm's tractor. He's the Dixon, she's the mom, and I'm the son. For more tire tips and estimates on new tires for your car, truck, or tractor, call or click dixonandsontires.net. Our family serving your family. Since 1974. Back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is one of the most acclaimed women in business, 
technology leader and spokesperson for the Republican Party, Carly Fiorina. And before the break, we were talking about the need to simplify tax codes, uh, health programs, virtually all the laws and programs that are thwarting small business in, in the United States and entrepreneurship on which this country was based. Now, what do you say to folks who point out uh, that there are these massive venture capital funds and uh, and the availability for capital for entrepreneurs and startup ventures has really grown? Can entrepreneurs just do what large companies like GE do and just hire a battery of specialists to oversee compliance with these complex and unwieldy regulations? Well, first, just to um, point out your notion about venture capital, it's true. The world is awash in money, and there are loads of venture capitalists sitting around with money that they're trying to invest. But let's face it, if you have a really fantastic idea for a technology startup, maybe you will attract the attention of a venture capitalist, and Silicon Valley is a vibrant example of that. On the other hand, if you're trying to open a new dry cleaner in your community or a taqueria or a deli, which are as important to the foundation of our economies and our communities as any technology startup, you don't have the luxury of attracting a venture capitalist, point one. Point two, venture capitalists aren't investing their money in lawyers and accountants. Venture capitalists are investing their money in innovators and entrepreneurs. And so, no, a small business in brief, a smaller new business just doesn't have the kind of resources necessary to say, let me figure out all this stuff in advance. And indeed, it's why I think you see a lot of small businesses look quickly to go for an IPO or get bought out by someone bigger. It's not just because they're trying to pay back their investors. It's also because they're trying to get associated with a company that has the scale to deal with all of this stuff. And as you point out, a lot of young people get their start in small businesses. I remember that my very first job was typing real estate contracts for a real estate office on the weekends. Uh, it's funny how we both started out as typists. Exactly. Well, so many women of our generation started out typing. I, I did, and I did such a good job. One of the things I remember was I got my first bonus and, and around Christmas time. I went into the office, and there was a... a a red envelope with a Christmas card in it and a check for $25, and I thought they made a mistake. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> you know, the experience that you just went through, so first of all, you learned so much from that. You learned that if you do a good job at any job, opportunity will present itself. You learn that there's a payoff for responsibility and a focus on excellence. Those are such important skills for a young person to know. And, you know, if you look at our youth unemployment rate today, I mean, we've all seen these terrible stories of kids who invest in college education can't find a job. I mean, our youth unemployment rate in this country is in reality close to 20%. In inner cities and, and disadvantaged areas, it's even higher. That's a terrible cost, not just for the individual young person, but for our country. And a lot of that is happening because our small business segment isn't vibrant enough to offer those people jobs. A lot of people get their start in a small job. And now, I, as I understand it, uh, you point out that there's another threat to small businesses and entrepreneurship in the country. And um, many times you've been talking about the uh, effect that um, our immigration policy has on the uh, success of small business. Well, this is a country, first let's say what is true, this is a country that has been founded on immigration. I mean, we are built on immigrants. And in fact, wave after wave after wave of immigrant group has gotten their start in small business. So immigration is incredibly important. But now you have a situation where absolutely everything is broken. At the very high end, the H-1B visa program upon which so many technology companies depend, that system is broken. We have ridiculous situations where CEOs of high-tech companies have to go into Washington and lobby for more H-1B visa holders. Our goal, of course, is to bring these visa holders in. They're smart, they're well-educated, they're ambitious, and have them become American citizens because they know that this is the place where they can fulfill their dreams. At the other end of the spectrum, you have an agricultural community that can't get enough 
lower-skilled migrant workers, and these are also people who contribute to society. And, of course, we have 16 visa programs that don't work. We have a border that's not secure. The whole system is broken, and that hurts everybody. And we don't seem to have leaders that know how to deal with systemic issues. We we seem to have leaders that deal with these systemic problems with one-shot solutions, and everyone knows that that doesn't work when you've got a systemic problem. It's, you know, that's such an interesting point, Rebecca, and it's, it's so true. I think, I think, you know, one of the reasons I ran for office is because I think we have far too many career politicians. And while there are many career politicians who are wonderful public servants, so I'm not being pejorative, but it's like anything else. If you do the same thing for too long, you lose your perspective and your edge. And I think what's happened is we have people who have been in politics for so long that their goal has become to stay in office, not to solve problems. That contributes to a hyper-partisan situation. It contributes to a circumstance in which people want to make political gestures and get political points rather than solve a problem in a holistic way. Um, You know, every now and then I get a glimmer of hope. I mean, one of the things that I'm hopeful about is you have, as an example of bipartisan systemic problem solving, maybe, you have Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah and you have Senator Max Baucus of Montana, outgoing, retiring senators who said, who've come together in a bipartisan way and said, we are going to radically simplify the tax code and we're going to start by eliminating every loophole and starting over. That's the right way to start. Now, there are a lot of people who say that that goal, that effort will never get anywhere, but I applaud both of them for trying. I applaud a guy like Tom Coburn for standing up and pointing out over and over and over again in a systemic way, here's all the waste in government, here's all the abuse in government, here's all the corruption in government. Those are the kinds of systematic, holistic, big vision kinds of things. Well, when it comes to systemic problems, you really have two choices. You've either got to deal with them holistically and simplify them so that there's less room for maneuvering. Let's take the tax code. If we made it real simple, you know, a couple of pages long, everybody could understand it. It becomes fair to the person on the street uh, because they're abiding by the same rules that General Electric is, who has three buildings of tax and, and, you know, a tax accountants and lawyers. So, um, you know, the simpler it gets, the more even the playing field gets. As far as how far these bipartisan committees get, they don't tend to get too far because we just talked to uh, Connie Mack third, and they had a bipartisan committee and everybody in principle was on board to simplify the tax code. But, uh, the you know, it, it was so complicated and so difficult to streamline it. It was almost at a point where they just needed to throw it out and say, we're going to introduce new tax legislation. I'm not really sure about that. We're going to have to take another uh, short commercial break, but uh, when we come back, we're going to find out what our leaders need to do to invigorate entrepreneurs, innovation, and small business once again. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. You've held back long enough. 
It's time to get up and go for some loud, raucous racing fun. Take the family, take the friends, take the entire neighborhood to the rip-roaring racing fun at Ocean Speedway in Watsonville. Friday night is Ocean Sprints Night number 16, presented by Taco Bravo, the 6th Annual Walt Bronco Memorial Race. We're racing 360 sprint cars, American stock, sport mods, wingless sprints, adults $17, seniors 65 plus for $16, kids 6 to 12 for $13, and a family of four for only $55. Details at OceanSpeedway.com. Ocean Speedway is located at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds, just two miles east of downtown Watsonville on Highway 152. Get up and go for the loud, raucous, rip-roaring racing fun this Friday night at Ocean Speedway. We are here to help your business grow. Hi, I'm Michelle Bassey, your local business consultant with Wells Fargo Bank here in the Monterey Bay area. Wells Fargo Bank became the nation's top small business lender by making it easy for people like you to grow your business. Wells Fargo has all the services you need in one bank, from opening a checking account to establishing a line of credit, from insuring against fraud to managing payroll. From planning your retirement to changing euros into dollars, Wells Fargo can do it all for you. When it comes to building business, Wells Fargo Bank is number one. In fact, Wells Fargo is America's number one lender to small business, the nation's number one small business administration lender, and number one on the recent Keynote Banking Small Business Scorecard. We are here to help your business grow. Grow your business with the nation's top small business bank. Wells Fargo. You're certain to find a branch open for business nearby. Stop by for a cup of coffee. Wells Fargo. We would love to get to know you. Member FDIC. Fall is for fixing up the home for winter. Where to start? Well, let's ask Chris Jensen of JM Electric. Chris, you folks at JM Electric have been fixing up the electrical circuits of Monterey Bay area homes and offices for 65 years now. So if anyone knows where to start fixing, it's JM Electric. Thank you, Charlie. A very important fix would be the electrical circuitry inside your walls. If there is a problem with your circuits in nice weather, the problem will likely get a lot worse when you increase the electrical load during bad weather. And electrical problems are a leading cause of structure fires. If you folks have the slightest doubt about what's going on inside your walls, call JM Electric and ask for the free, no-obligation assessment. Fall is for fixing. Start with the free home electrical safety test at jmelectric.com. In a few short minutes, you'll know your risk. Take the test right now at jmelectric.com or give JM Electric a call at 422-7819 and ask for the free, no-obligation, home electrical safety assessment. That's 422-7819. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is acclaimed business executive Carly Fiorina. So let's go back to our immigration policy again. Uh, Can you take a moment to explain to our listeners why protectionism hurts the American economy and is bad for entrepreneurism? Because I'm not always sure that the connection between the two is as clear as it needs to be. I think it's a really good point. So first, 95% of the world's consumers are outside the U.S. It's just important to remember that because the more our companies can build products that people around the world want to buy, the stronger our economy is. And so we should want to be an export powerhouse. And we should want as well to make sure that we have the human capital, the brain power to produce the best products in the world. You know, the 21st century is actually all about brain power. So as has always been the case in our history, we have to be the country that attracts the most ambitious, the hardest working, the smartest people in the world to come here and build a better life for themselves and their families. And we also have to be the kind of country, as we always have been, that builds the better the best mousetrap that everybody else around the world wants to buy. That makes us strong. And so when we as a country become afraid to compete or become afraid to welcome legal and legitimate outsiders who want to come here and build the American dream for their for themselves, or when we say to ourselves, you know, we can just hunker down and close down and uh, play among ourselves here in America, we're really hurting ourselves. We can always 
compete and lead if we remember that we need to be the place that builds for the rest of the world and we need to be the place that attracts people from all over the world because they too want to live the American dream. So let me ask you this. What should our immigration policy look like? I mean, we recently had some states make it legal for illegal immigrants to have driver's license, which, as I understand it, are considered in most states legal proof of identification in a polling location. So did we open up a can of worms here? I mean, how do we filter the good guys from the bad guys, the ones that are going to contribute to the American economy from those that are going to burden the American economy? Yes. It, you know, and it's a very complex and emotional subject, and there's a lot of disagreement on it. But, but I, I will just say a, for a few things. First, I truly believe that comprehensive immigration reform is essential and is in our country's interests. And I am very worried that right now everyone's attention is off comprehensive immigration reform. People's attention in Washington has been distracted by big things, you know, Syria, and now we have the budget and we have the debt limit and all of the rest of it. But to me, comprehensive immigration reform has a couple essential elements. First, we have to fix our legal immigration system. I mentioned that we have 16 different visa programs. That's insane. You talk about complicated. You talk about easy to corrupt. We know that we have a whole bunch of people in this country today who have simply overstayed their legal visa. So we have to fix our legal immigration system, simplify it to one program, uh, hold people accountable for uh, being responsible under that legal program. So that, that includes H-1B visas. It includes migrant worker programs. But we got to fix our legal immigration system. Secondly, we have, and these are not in any particular order. I believe we have to do all of them. Uh, we have to make sure that our borders are secure. Our borders are not secure today. So we know what that takes. We just have to do it. And third, I believe there must be a way to bring people out of the shadows. And so I think it's essential that we say to the people who are here illegally, I mean, I agree with people who say that if we leave the system as it is, that is, in essence, de facto amnesty. They're living here. They're taking advantage of our programs. We have to bring those people out of the shadows. My own view is we bring them out of the shadows. We ask, we give them a... um, status in this country. That is the way that we can then determine, do people have criminal records? Have they abused the system, paid back taxes, et cetera? My own view is that those folks do not have a pathway to citizenship, but that their children would. Now, I know that not everybody agrees on all of those particulars, but I think if we stick to three essential elements, We have to bring people out of the shadows so that we can separate those that are willing to pay back taxes and stick to the law from those who have broken our laws. We have to fix our legal immigration system. We have to secure our borders. If we will stay focused on those three essential elements, I think we can make progress, and I think we must make progress because the current system is bad for everybody. Well, this is something that business could really help our leadership with. I mean, if we take, some people laugh about this, but if you take American Express, for example, you have a platinum, gold, and green membership that you can participate in. And I don't understand why we just don't standard create three standard programs and say, all right, let's decide which one you're going to fall under. And, uh, and under those different programs, which depends on what you contribute to the American economy, uh, you get certain benefits, whether it's health benefits or driver's license or education for your children. I mean, why don't we just bundle these up into packages that people can understand and are formalized? Well, it's such a great point, Rebecca. And it's, you know, it's an example of sometimes simple holistic solutions work best. And, you know, that's one idea. I think business can help by providing ideas. Um, I think business can also help, frankly, by continuing to put pressure on the political system to say, and and businesses and people of both uh, political, all political persuasions, I think are increasingly putting pressure on the political system to say this problem has to be solved. We are hurting our economy. We are hurting our legal citizens. We are hurting our ambitious immigrants who want to play by the rules. We are absolutely hurting everyone here 
by not finding a solution. And one of the things businesses does so well is bundling services in a way that's attractive to consumers. You know, I, a lot of times we're, when we're legislating, it's very punitive as opposed to a little bit of marketing. How about a little bit of marketing in our, in our governance? Getting people to want to willingly, volitionally participate. Yeah, well, uh, yes, what a great idea. And, you're, you know, you're raising um, all a set of wonderful ideas that take me all the way back to a point I made a while ago, which is I think we have people in politics who've been there too long. Yeah. It's not that they're not good people, but if all you've done is run for election for 20, 30, 40 years, if you don't have any understanding of what business does or how they contribute, it's hard to bring new ideas to the table. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think that they could take a page from uh, business in just looking at how businesses motivate large blocks of consumers to volitionally take an action. Uh, instead of always thinking that everything has to be a law or a battle in D.C., I don't really think that's the case. I think you can appeal to basic human instinct and a desire to cooperate. Everyone wants to be patriotic. All people, given the choice to do the right thing, will try to do the right thing. But if you make it too difficult to do the right thing, you get you run into the problem of it's impossible to comply and people become defeatist. And I think that's what you've been saying, is that small business is defeated. Well, they're not defeated, they're not down and out, but they sure are discouraged, and that should worry all of us. And I think you're so right. Most people want to do a good job. Most people want to do the right thing. And by the way, you can't legislate against evil. You can't legislate against greed. But if you look at but most people want to do the right thing, and if you look at how laws get written in Washington, what happens is something bad happens, yeah. and then we proceed to write a regulation or a legislation to try and prevent that bad thing from ever happening again. And the consequence of that is unbelievable complexity. And it also creates this mindset that, you know, people, if given the chance, are going to do the wrong thing, as opposed to the recognition that people, if given a chance, are going to do the right thing. That's right. And it also makes us a very reactive uh, government. And uh, that's not uh, really helpful when we're dealing with complex systemic issues. We have to take our last break and we'll be right back with Carly Fiorina. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Fifty years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. But something you may not know is that Dr. King was represented by the world's foremost speaking agency, the American Program Bureau. The American Program Bureau has a courageous history of representing luminaries, entertainers, and motivators from all backgrounds. From Ronald Reagan, Richard Branson, and Mikhail Gorbachev to John Stewart, Michael Douglas, and Desmond Tutu. From A-list celebrities to best-selling authors, cutting-edge business leaders, and the greatest minds in academia, the American Program Bureau has speakers to fit every venue and every budget. When corporations, conferences, schools, and community organizations need an expert speaker, they turn to the American Program Bureau to help them craft an event that will be remembered long afterwards. To inquire about a speaker for your next engagement, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or visit our website at apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. 
Ask us how to shake up your taste buds. Hi, I'm Susan Pappas with an invitation to visit the True Olive Connection for inspiring ways to pair extra virgin olive oils, balsamic vinegars, and fresh foods that'll inspire your palate. And speaking of palates, let's turn those sun-ripened tomatoes into delicious caprese salads with some of our garlic and rosemary olive oils. And how about shaking up your fruit salad with Persian lime and coconut balsamic? It'll have you dancing in a grass skirt in no time. For a dessert, no one will forget. Cover your Tahitian vanilla ice cream with the True Olive Connection's Rich Dark Espresso Balsamic. And it's decaffeinated. Discover a true Epicurean treasure chest at the True Olive Connection in downtown Santa Cruz at 106 Lincoln Street for a taste of over 30 gourmet oils and 25 aged balsamic vinegars open seven days a week. Don't forget to try our new Oho Body Care line for healthier skin and immune system. You'll feel better from the inside out in no time. Opa! You may have heard about the 90 essential nutrients or the Mighty 90 needed for good health. But with all the products out there, what exactly are they talking about? The Mighty 90 is 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 60 plant-derived minerals, and 2 essential fatty acids. So, now you know. But with all the products you see and hear advertised, what exactly do you buy to come up with the Mighty 90 in the right ratios to promote good health? Longevity has made it easy with the Healthy Start Pack, which contains one canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Vitamin and Plant-Derived Mineral Complex, one bottle of Bone and Joint Enriching OsteoFX Plus, and one bottle of EFA Plus Essential Fatty Acids, all in the proper ratios to promote good health and vitality. For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Carly Fiorina. Now, we've been touching on the uh, issue of leadership, and I know you've made it clear in the past that the same skills needed to run a business are not necessarily the same ones you need to run a, a county or a state or even a country. And I think Ross Perot pretty much made that point. But uh, while running a business uh, during a tumultuous time like the dot-com crisis isn't exactly the same as trying to get an economy out of a global recession – Having been the CEO of a company myself, I, I think there's a lot of overlap there. How about you? Well, I absolutely agree. And let me let me clarify what I mean. You know, every profession has technical aspects to it that you have to learn. So there are technical aspects to running a business. There are technical aspects to flying an airplane. However, to your point, what is the same across all walks of life? is leadership. Now, leadership's not the same as management. You know, management is the production of acceptable results within known constraints and conditions. Very important. Leadership in business, in politics, in faith-based organizations, in communities, and families, leadership is about making a positive difference. And the way you make a positive difference is to galvanize people to work towards a goal that is larger than themselves. It is to have a strategic goal and purpose that is worthy of people's efforts. It is to motivate people to your earlier set of comments. It is to use and leverage people's skills and direct those skills towards the achievement of results. All of those things are leadership. And in that case, leadership is the same. And leadership also, because it is about making a positive difference, leadership always requires courage because a leader has to stand in front and point the way and show people where they need to go and also how to get there. That is leadership, and it is the same across every walk of life. Now. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not sure, depends on how you look at it. We've elected so many lawyers to public office, and then we sit around and scratch our heads and wonder why, why there's so many unwieldy laws. <laughs> You'd think that we could, <laughs> well, you elect lawyers and you get, you know, thousands and thousands of pages of, of uh, legislation. Uh, duh, right? Uh, so you'd think that we could extrapolate from that, that a few more business leaders in government, 
might help us put programs in place that incentivize entrepreneurship uh, rather than thwart it. So what do you say to folks who are worried that business already has too much influence in the government through campaign contributions and lobbyists? Well, I think there's there's a great deal of truth to that. And the distinction that I would make is between big business and small business. So, look, big businesses are little businesses that have succeeded. So good for them. You know, Hewlett-Packard started in a garage. It's now one of the largest technology companies in the world. So big business is wonderful, and it's great that we have so many successful global big businesses. But as I mentioned before, a big business can afford to deal with all this complexity. And indeed, in many cases, big businesses are advantaged by the complexity. If you look at Washington, D.C., honestly, I think it is a place that works well for big business, big labor, and big government. But it doesn't work so well for the little guy and the little business. And so I think what we need is a wholesale mindset change. And frankly, I don't know how to get this done other than to keep talking about it, keep uh, pushing for it, and to keep others engaged and talking and pushing for it. I think we need a wholesale mindset change in Washington. Big government doesn't work in the 21st century. We need a radical simplification of everything, our tax code, our regulatory structure, our legislation. But we need to say Washington needs to think about the little guy. If it were me, you know, if I were queen for a day, I would create a task force made up of small business owners, and I would say your job over the next two years is to go through absolutely every piece of regulation and legislation and tell us the impact on small business and recommend which we're going to get rid of. The truth is every time a regulation is written, it never goes out of style. We never sunset it. We never get rid of it. We just keep piling on and piling on and piling on and piling on. And now we have a veritable thicket. But what you're suggesting is something really basic in business. You're basically saying that before these laws go into effect, why not go focus group test them on the folks that are going to be affected? (laughs) There you go. Right? I mean, isn't that what you would do if you're introducing any new product? Any business leader knows that before you you spend millions getting the product out the door, you go focus group test the thing. Well, and, and not only that, every business knows this as well. Every business knows that on a regular basis, you have to go audit what you're doing. You have to go look at what you're doing and say, is this working? Is it effective? If not, what do we need to get rid of and change? And the government hasn't done that realistically in, what, 70 years? So we have layer upon layer of bureaucratic sediment. We have layer upon layer of regulatory and legislative sediment. And all that weight yeah, is yeah. crushing the American spirit and the American dream. Well, I think there's a lot of people listening today who are nodding their heads up and down. Now, I can't let you go without asking you what your plans are. I, I have to believe that the Republican Party in the state is uh, is calling you and, and asking you to consider throwing your hat back into the race because, uh, well, the GOP's not in such good shape these days. So uh, are you thinking about that or maybe some other office that we don't know about? <laughs> Well, oh, please say you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I first of all, I remain actively engaged in politics. Right now it is more behind the scenes, but I in, remain actively engaged in the conservative movement and in the Republican Party. Uh, never say never. There may be a time when I run for office again. You know, there has to be the right opportunity and all the rest of it. But I will say this. I will remain an active participant I will remain an active voice, and I will remain someone who stays engaged because I think we need more, not less, everyday citizens raising our voices and saying we need to make changes. So at the very least, I'm going to continue to raise my voice. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. But before we let you go, I I do want to thank you for uh, withstanding all the punches that come from being the first woman to reach the highest ranks of business and also for uh, continuing to uh, hang in there and help us do the right thing in government. It's never easy to be the first anything. So we thank you, Ms. Fiorina. 
Well, it's my pleasure, Rebecca. Please call me Carly. And uh, it's been such a pleasure to be with you today and to be with your listeners. And I would just say, you know, punches come with the territory. It's part of why leadership takes courage, but all of us take our punches in life. And the truth is you cannot make a positive change. None of us can make a difference, no matter where we are. None of us can make a difference without taking a few punches. So let's take them and move on. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you'd like to comment on today's program, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or send me a note on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. We're all over the Internet, so drop me a line and let me know how you feel about our conversation with Carly Fiorina. And if you missed the interview with Fiorina or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and also our new YouTube channel. I also want to thank listeners who have ordered the Watchman's Rattle from our website at RebeccaCosta.com. Your response has been overwhelming, and we especially appreciate folks who are already starting to plan for the holidays and are ordering books with custom dedications inside the book as uh, gifts, because in addition to a gift that's personalized and says, I thought about you and bought this just for you, you're also giving a gift to millions of listeners across the country. All book proceeds go toward keeping the Costa Report on the air, so when you go to RebeccaCosta.com and you buy a book, you're voting with your dollar. You're giving a message that you want to see more nonpartisan quality journalism on the air and maybe a few less polarizing pundits. You want the kind of reporting that makes you think. So our heartfelt thanks to the overwhelming response to the book that we've had. And next to Gaga and Korean pop star Psy, my guest next week may be the biggest thing to hit YouTube. Four million viewers and growing. He's been accused of murder, drug smuggling, being a master of disguise, a persecuted victim, a womanizer, Iron Man, a genius and a hero of the technology underground. The controversial founder of McAfee Software, Mr. John McAfee, will be here. He's going to set the record straight once and for all. So don't miss John McAfee next week right here on the Costa Report. Now stay tuned for the second hour of the Costa Report when we hear what you have to say about our conversation with business pioneer Carly Fiorina. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.